Welcome to Rex Factor. This week, Kenneth the Bird. With your hosts, Graham Duke and Ali Hood. Aloha! And uh, welcome to Rex Factor, reviewing all the kings and queens of Scots, from Kenneth McAlpin to James VI. And this week, Kenneth III! <laughs> you used to say that. No? <laughs> yeah. Um, so it's our second, the third in a row. Yes, and our third Kenneth. Indeed, our third Kenneth. Now, to have a quick recap mm-hmm. on what's been going before, Kenneth McAlpin starts off the Alpin dynasty and the beginnings of the nation of Scotland in the 840s and 850s, mm-hmm. unifies the Scots and the Picts. Yeah. And we then have, um, a fair, after a little bit of Viking intrusion in the 860s, a successful period from sort of the 900s to the 960s. Everything's going quite well. But then dynastic conflict breaks out. Disaster. And the problem is that Scotland operates a alternating succession system. So rather than going father to son to father to son, well, not back again, father to son. (laughs) I'll take it from here, son. Um, It goes from brother to brother. Mm. So Kenneth uh, Kenneth McAlpin, his two sons, Constantine I and Ieth, were were kind of the two at the top of this tree. And then their descendants ultimately end up fighting it out. So Duff, who is descended from Constantine I, was fighting with Cullen, Mm. who is descended from Ieth. It's team blue, fighting team red. Exactly. And so they both had quite short reigns. Kenneth II came along, ruled for quite a while, did very well, won the Rex Factor. But when he tried to change the laws of the succession so that it would only go patrilineal, Mm. father to son, Mm -hmm. he gets assassinated. And instead of being succeeded by his son Malcolm, he's instead succeeded by Constantine III of Team Red. Succeeded in the... He was killed by him and the other fellow grabbed the crown. <laughs> yes. But the Not other chaps are well up for it as well. The other chaps are well up for it. And indeed, in 997, after a short and thoroughly unsuccessful reign, Constantine III was killed. Epic Rex Factor loss there. Yes, it was not great. And that was the end of Team Red. Yes. Constantine was last in line, Constantine so III. Now, what we're dealing with here is Team Blue and Team Purple. Exactly. Right. But they're close, more uh, as close, more closely related than Team Blue and Team Red. Yes, the first, Team Red was quite far away. That was sort of mm. third and, I suppose, almost fourth cousins mm. now. Whereas now these two are actually mm. cousins, I right. think. So if we look to the family then, um, his father, father of Kenneth III, was Duff. Yes, who died in a ditch under a, under a bridge. bridge. Yes. Yeah. So Duff uh, died in nine six seven, and so probably. Kenneth III to be king in 997 probably not much uh, earlier than that really I would have thought sometime in the 1960s so sort of something in his 30s we'd think when he comes to the throne so we made Duff the progenitor of Team Purple so Kenneth III becomes uh, Kenneth III 997 and is king for Team Purple because um, Constantine the Crummy yes got it in a battle Got it in where, a battle, and there were no more Team Reds. Where a chap called Kenneth, probably, possibly this Kenneth, or just a chap called Kenneth, yeah. killed him. Exactly. 
So Kenneth III becomes king after this, but he has a rival, and his rival is his cousin, Malcolm, for Team Blue. Mm. So Malcolm is the son of Kenneth II. And before, in this battle, they would have been fighting together against... I don't think they're working no. together. I think okay. it's all everyone for himself at this point right. when it comes to the succession. Lemon Constantine. Yeah, so, so Kenneth III becomes king in 997, but how well do we think he's going to do? Now, we don't know exactly what he looks like. No, we don't have any photographs do. of contemporary portraits, but we do have the Heritage Playing Cards Limited artist's impression of what he looked like. Now, last time I picked you up on the fact that every time you say <laughs> this is not what I expected... Yeah. So what are you expecting at this point? All you've got to go on is that he's Team Purple and he's called Kenneth III. Right, well, given Kenneth II, his uncle... Uh, yes, his uncle, yeah. Were, had a lovely beard. Yeah. We didn't have a beard last week. Mm. I'm going beard, tartan, hold on, yeah. trousers. Ooh. Okay. What colour? Predominant. A green. Green. A green predominant green. green. I think that's similar to Kenneth II. And I predict a weapon, and a, yes, and a cloak. Well, let's find out. What does he look like on fella. the card? Oh! I, he looked quite a lot like that other scary chap who had an axe. Who was he? Malcolm the First. Malcolm the First. That would be his... Ooh, something grandfather. Grandfather. Oh, his, sorry, sorry, his lovely <laughs> grandfather. Um... Yes, well, I'm very pleased. And he is wearing tartan trousers, mostly purple, but still, and a cloak, big beard, sword in his right hand, blue shield, sporting the um, the usual sneaky, lovely brown trainers. Um, and, a, yeah, so this is a red cloak. And he's got chainmail on, actually, and a um, quite a effective-looking helmet. Hmm. And he almost looked... Did he look a little windswept to you? Windswept? Could he I'm be on top say, of the mountain? Though? He could well be. I mean, he, this is good credentials. This is a Rexwaxer mountain. Um, and he's looked battle-worn. His shield has definitely seen some action. Uh, as has his cloak. I mean, yes. He needs a bit of darning, <laughs> I'd say. Um, yeah, jolly good. Well, I am spot on. I mean, I think he, he looks pretty good there, I'd say. I'd say, yeah. And so good that he is actually um, the cover boy... Oh, yeah. For the uh, actual pack of cards. Who have we got there? Mary and James. Yeah, so we've got James the Sixth on the left, Mary Queen of Scots on the right, and in the centre is this chap, Kenneth the Third. Right oh, in the front. looking good, isn't it? That does look good. Right. Can um, I make a prediction here? Yes. Rex Batter winner. Well, let's find out. His nickname is Andon. Oh, dear. Which means either the Chief or the Brown. Brilliant. I'm going with the Chief. <laughs> chief Kenneth. As with the previous episode on Kenneth, Constantine III, I'm afraid we don't have an awful lot to go on from the Chroniclers. Mm. So, as ever, we rely on our trusty old friend of exaggeration, John of Forden, to fill in the gaps <laughs> however he chooses. Um, as you said, the reason for this, we've got this period of warfare, dynastic conflict, it's you know all hands on deck, yeah. not much time to write what's going on. Yeah. They're just doing stuff. Fair enough. So... As we said, Kenneth II tried to get this patrilineal succession made law so that Malcolm would succeed him, mm-hmm. and Malcolm's line thereafter. He gets assassinated by Constantine III, Team Red. Constantine himself is killed in battle only a year and a half later, yeah, in 997. So Kenneth III becomes king once again instead of Malcolm of Team Blue. Because Malcolm is the son of Kenneth II. Yes, yeah. and he was the one who was by law meant to succeed. How does this work? Then? So that means two successions in a row 
He's going to be seething. He's not going to be pleased with this. Mm. Like, come on. Come on. What? So, did he just do another smash and grab and got the... Th- got the... Well, of course, John the Fort and fills that yeah, detail in. Um, so, this was the end of Constantine III. One day they met one another in Laudonia by the banks of the River Almond, and, engaging in battle, after great slaughter on either side, both the leaders were killed. That being Constantine III and somebody called Kenneth, who mm. obviously isn't this Kenneth. Mm. It is said, however, that this Kenneth had the upper hand. Constantine's guards fled to his colleague Grim, the son of Kenneth, the son of Duff, for he himself was, with Constantine, the chief supporter of the old rule of succession, and Grim, being joined by those who wished him well, lost no time in taking upon him the badges of kingship by the same right as his predecessor. So, in summary... Yep. Crummy Connie's guards fled and joined this chap. Grim. Grim. Son of Kenneth, son of Duff. So Grim is his son. Yes, now you've uh, stumbled upon the uh, rather confusing reference to Grim. Because this is suggesting that Grim becomes king. And everyone goes to Grim and is like, Grim, you're the man now, be king. Right. And yet we're doing constant, uh, Kenneth III. Yeah. So what's going on? What is going on? But we're told that it's, it's just it's just a, he just grabbed the throne in the same way as the last chap. Yes, but that seems that's an odd thing to do for the son to grab it over the father. Yeah. Unless that was Kenneth that was killed in the battle and his son Grim became king, not Kenneth. Oh, that's starting to add up, isn't it? So that's one interpretation. Another interpretation is that Grim was just helping dad out right so kenneth iii is king but his son grim is either you know his sort of chief lieutenant or perhaps even some kind of co-rule is going on so maybe kenneth thought to try and secure the succession given that life expectancy is pretty bad and malcolm's going to get him Mm. have his son crowned king alongside him that just adds another layer of legitimacy to his line or because that used to happen a bit in France, Henry the Second tried to do that. Yeah, the young Henry yeah, yeah. crowned in his lifetime. Yeah, still unusual, though, isn't it? Still unusual. Certainly not had this before in Scotland. Or uh, Grim did his dad in. Yeah, as some final um, finally got his revenge for calling him Grim. Well, so uh, Grim, um, possibly we might also say Girick. Oh, we had a Girick. We did have a Girick yeah. who could also be called Grim. So I thought I'd call him Grim just so that we don't get confused with yet another former monarch. Oh, right, it's not boy named Sue business. Yeah. So we've got all these different uh, rules about what's going on. John of Forden seems to think Grim was king, but all other historians say that it's Kenneth III. Okay. So I think we probably assume that Grim is helping out Dad. But so it's just, that's the only evidence we've got there. That it could have been Grim. Because it would make the other story make sense, wouldn't it? But it is trying to make sense of John of Forden's story. <laughs> okay, so it's John of Forden trying to make sense of his own story. Yes. Okay. Maybe he started writing out as like, and uh, and went to Grim because, as I said, <laughs> yeah. Kenneth had died. Yes, that's yeah. that's why I said that. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So, after this, uh, John of Forden tells us, however unreliable that may be, that Malcolm had been in Cumbria when Constantine III was killed, and then he's presumably still there when... Sorry, that he was in Cumbria when Kenneth II was killed, and he's presumably still there when Constantine III is killed as well, because it's only a year and a half later. Mm. So I guess the reason that Malcolm doesn't 
get the throne this time is that he's probably building alliances, getting some support, getting ready to make his move to take the throne right. back. Yeah. In the meantime, one of his rivals has been killed, the other one's taken the throne. But from his perspective, actually, you know, it's it's the same job, if not slightly easier, because there's only one of them now. Right, yeah. Same as before, but he's getting his getting mm. his stuff together. Exactly. And so, apparently, and this is not so great for Kenneth... John Forden is our source here, so he's going to keep saying Grimm rather than Kenneth, mm-hmm. but whoever it is. Uh, Malcolm apparently kept troubling Grimm, who had then been set up as king, with all manner of annoyances. Like deaths. Well, one assumes, and Grimm fights back. So according to John Forden, Malcolm is more popular, he's more skillful, he's able to gather the nobles and common folk alike to support his claim. Because he's got the legal Because he's got the legal side. But nevertheless... There is fighting to go on. And Malcolm decides, let's just skip to the end. <laughs> Good idea. Thus, strengthened by the favour of the people, and at the instigation of some of the chiefs, Malcolm forthwith sent to the king, by messenger, bidding him choose one of two things. Either that he should choose to vacate the throne and lay down the crown, which he had, until then, like his <laughs> predecessor, held unjustly. Likes his subclauses to search on a forden. Or that they too should, either accompanied by their warrior hosts, or man-to-man, if he liked, fight in the (laughs) open field and submit it to the just verdict of God, which of them ought, in all lawfulness, to be subject unto the other. So you say it's it's dual. Yeah, Malcolm is basically saying, let's do it. Because he's a better fighter. Yeah, if you think you're hard enough, let's fight it. Right, and what happens? Let's be having you. Yeah. Well... Grimm was very indignant at this, for he thought that Malcolm could not withstand him. So, with such of his men as he could trust, he at once set out to give him battle. While Malcolm, on the other hand, with a similar object in view, boldly advanced to meet him with a small but picked band, and reached a field named Alknabad, a meet place for a battle. A neat? Meat, as in a good. Oh, right. So, in 1005, the year 1005, we have the Battle of Monziver. Mm-hmm. Is that, that doesn't sound very Scottish. Monziver. No, it doesn't. But mm. uh, it's a current, sure it current uh, name as well. So, 1005? Yes. We're getting there, aren't we? Yeah, we're moving along. Mm. Yes, and in all of this, we've missed the fact, presumably there was a massive party when they partied like yeah. it was 999. <laughs> I bet they did, and that, all their... Millennial bugs going all over the place. Yeah. Maybe that's what's happened. Maybe the computer glitches just kept making a new person king every time. So we've got this big showdown between uh, Grim, aka Kenneth the mm. Third, and Malcolm. We've got Team Purple against Team Blue, all or nothing. What's your it's prediction? Get sorted out. Who's going to win? Well, I've 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 put my um I've put my bets on Kenneth already, haven't I? So I better mm. stick to it. It's not looking good though. The Annals of Ulster. A battle was fought between men of Scotland on either side, and in it the King of Scotland, Kenneth Duff's son, fell. Right. This is why I never gamble. Mm. John Forden. There the two armies engaged one another and fought a cruel battle, considering their numbers. Uh, because we said it sounds like they've got a kind of a, a group of a troop yeah. of men rather than two epic. Because he said armies. he took people that he trusted, so it was a, a, a duel. But like a royal rumble instead of a yeah. man to man or yeah. a battlefield. Yeah. 
Okay. It's like a five aside rather than a full yeah, on football better match. Better analogy, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's been years since I thought of WF. <laughs> At length, the king was mortally wounded while fighting bravely and was straightway led out of the battle by his men, and he died the same night. So they, it wasn't a battle to the end. They let the, they said, right, let's see how that gets on. They, mm. sort of, they retreated. <laughs> Someone blew the whistle. Mm. Okay. And so it's, guys, guys, he's really badly hurt. <laughs> no, no, I'm being serious. <laughs> um, so, Kenneth III is killed, and if Girick was involved, or Grimm rather was involved, then he is killed too. Okay, so there's no mention of Grimm again. Whoever's in charge... Whoever it is dies. They're dead. Okay. And it's only thanks to John Ford and there's that confusion anyway. Exactly. Okay. So, uh, that's it. The battle probably fought between uh, Creef and Cymru, uh, so it's east of the Trossachs. Loch Lomond or west of Perth. Mm. You want to know where? Uh, but it's the year 1005. Kenneth III has died. The reign's over. Well, let's see how he does. Let's do that. Battleiness! Well, he does win the crown from Constantine III, and that puts an end to Team Red. Yeah. What we're not quite sure of is whether he was actually involved in that battle or whether it was a completely different person who happened to be called Kenneth. Or killed. Or indeed killed, yes. <laughs> Ooh, tricky one to score. So that, it's not quite sure how much credit, if any, we can give him for the but battle. But if we are to give him credit, third. Yes. it's got to be good. Yes, although does that mean that he? we're assuming that he died and wasn't ever king? Or was John Fordham just wrong? I think that's probably likely. Yes. Um, well, either way, we're not sure about that, but we do know that he fights Malcolm. Mm. And it does seem to be for a protracted period of time. So where was Constantine III? It was, you know, a year and a half, and then he copped it. Mm. This is actually, you know, it's a little bit longer. This is almost a decade of is it? fighting, yeah. So John of Fordham just compressed all of that? Yes. Just, so when you said he skipped to the end, it wasn't like a year? No. Ten years? Almost, yeah. Oh, dear. Um, and this is what he said. He, um, as in Kenneth III, or Grimm, he withstood him with all his might and meted out the most grievous loss upon him and his with the same self-measure and with no less cruelty. I.e., he's saying, Malcolm attacked him, but Kenneth gave as good as he got back. So we've got a protracted period of pretty hard uh, warfare going on, which implies that... He's got a bit more to him, perhaps, than yeah. He is actually fighting so for he put, a while. He, and he held the chap off for ten years. Yeah. Ish. Ish. Uh, yeah. Uh, but we know specific battles. The only specific battle we've got, he, he either possibly dies at or does die at. Yes. But, at least, you know, Malcolm challenges him to either give up or fight, and Kenneth III thinks, yeah, let's do it, let's fight. So he takes him on. Maybe a bit brave, has a fight, mm. but he does lose. Mm. I mean, it'd been worse if he'd run away. It's not great, is it? <laughs> but it's not great. Uh, it's just all that is unknown. It is. Three? I was just going to give him a two. Right. Uh, one for uh, the fact that he does go in for the Hollywood battle. Yeah. And one for the fact that he fought quite well for a few years. Well, I was going for that third one because if he did, if it, we don't know how involved he was. Oh, in the against Constantine the Third previously. So it's a it's a BOD yeah. one. Yeah. Um, well, either way, that's a five for battliness. Mm. 
Scandal. Come on, at least beat Crummy Constantine. So we've got a usurpation because... Another one. Obviously yeah. gets there over Constantine III. And technically, of course, Malcolm should have been king anyway. Mm. So it's almost two usurpations. Yeah, lovely. Um, so he, you know, he did that. But in terms of actual bad things that he does, we don't really have anything. We don't have him assassinating Constantine III. No, Possibly I, battle, but that's just yeah. battle. I gave Coming Constantine four for a usurpation, but that was mostly in the style yes. of usurpation. Uh, There's two, just nothing. I'm, I'm just, I've got to go zero because I've got nothing really to. Two, two for usurpation. Mm. Yeah. But it's, I mean, is it usurpation or is it really just civil war? It is a civil war, but it, it could be our only double usurpation we have. <laughs> so I'll, I'll give him yeah. two, and then, then he can be happy. Well, that gives him a two for Scandal. Subjectivity. I don't really have anything no. to suggest that he did anything good. Um, this is how John Forden summarises the reign from a subjectivity perspective. And thus the wretched and helpless multitude long lay crushed and oppressed by them both. But while the quarrel lasted between Malcolm and King Grim, Kenneth, who could fully unfold the losses of the inhabitants of the kingdom continued through eight years? <laughs> so he's not, he's not a fan either. Well, so it's basically just lots of really hard, heavy, horrible war in which lots mm. of people get crushed and oppressed and treated badly. It's the same as Constantine, isn't it? It's another zero. It's zero, yeah. Longevity. Well, this is better than Constantine III. He rules from 997 to 1005. That's good. It sounds good. It does sound yeah. good. It's only seven years, though. Uh, well, or eight years, eight years, if you want to uh, count them all. Although we don't know the months, of course. Ah, uh, yeah. So it might just have been seven and a half. Anyway, eight years converted into the patiometer gives him a score... Of 2.77. Yeah, I backed the wrong horse here. Mm. Dynasty! Not the pro. Well, he does do better here. He has some kiddies. Oh, good. We've got three that are credited to him, Ooh. specifically. Um, they're a bit uncertain, though. We've got Grim. <laughs> Presumably, yeah. It's all very confusing as to who what he is. But we're giving him the credit for Grim. Okay. To make some kind of sense of it. But Grim dies as well. Grim does as well. Oh, uh, yes, but we don't know exactly when he died. It's all very confusing. Yeah. We're going to give him Grimm. Yeah. We're going to give him a chap called Boyt Mackinada. Again, we're not sure if he was a son or a brother. He, he did not He did not like his kids. <laughs> it's not a great name. And uh, somebody else as well, apparently. <laughs> didn't even give that one a name. said, I'm out. If you don't like Grimm and Boyt Mackinada, then, to be honest, I'm out. We don't have good details about them, but he is credited with three children, and okay. thus we shall give him three which is converted to a score of 6.67, which gives him a total score of 16.44, which is, at the very least, better than the predecessor, Constantine III. Yeah, with that synopsis. <laughs> Shall we see if he's got it? Does he have that certain something, that lasting legacy, that great achievement, the star quality that we call... Rex Factor! Well, I see you've got something written there. Well, what I've got is that he does take the throne despite the succession laws favouring Malcolm. Yeah. And he does hold Malcolm off for a few years. Yeah. 
It's not enough for me. Looks good on the card. It looks good on the card, yeah. He had a great portrait a thousand years later. <laughs> yes, exactly. And if that's not good enough reason, I don't know yeah. what is. Uh, against him is that there's no evidence whatsoever of any great victory or achievement or lasting legacy of any kind whatsoever. Mm, that is conclusive. I mean, if you balance the two... If you balance them out, uh, yeah, on, on balance it's a no. I'm afraid that is another no. Mm. Uh, Kenneth III does not have the Rex Factor. That's all right. It's a rare thing to get. Most exactly. people can't get it. That's exactly. where it's got to be. So it's no for Kenneth III. He doesn't have the Rex Factor. But if you think we've treated him a little too harshly, mm-hmm. you can get in touch with us. Uh, follow us and message us on Twitter at RexFactorPod. Like us on Facebook. Join in the discussions there. Email us, RexFactorPodcast at Hotmail.com And if you go to RexFactor.wordpress.com uh, you'll find various blogs supporting the podcast but also some polls that you can complete where you just decide yes, no or maybe for each of the Scottish monarchs as to whether or not they deserved it. And you can go back and do the English monarchs as exactly. well. Exactly. They're so all there. It's all open. Uh, anytime. If you'd like to support the podcast, oh, ching, ching, ching. tell your friends. Yes, that's probably the most effective one. Yes, indeed. <laughs> um, you can leave a review on iTunes and subscribe. All subscribing. Help good. push us up the charts, yeah. and that helps people notice us when they're mm. looking for history podcasts. We are a free podcast, of course, but if you would like to make a donation, be very much appreciated. They're all such kind listeners. Oh, so, mate, so I think kind. you're lovely. You're so <laughs> lovely. Doesn't your hair look good today? Is that begging? Uh, no, it's uh, complimenting. Yes, different. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you can make a one-off donation via PayPal, mm. or you can join the Rex Factor Privy Council and uh, click on the my, Be My Patron link um, on the RexFactor.wordpress.com website, and you can then make a monthly donation to the podcast. A pound. Just exactly. a little pound. pound a month, yeah. and uh, that would be absolutely wonderful. Uh, so thank you to everybody who has donated, and thank you to everybody who sends in messages, and it's really, really lovely. It's what keeps us going. And yeah, I love answering them. I've exactly. got them on my desktop uh, um, all day, and as they ting in, I'll say, hello, thanks for getting in touch. <laughs> Ali, you haven't paid your bills this month. Thank you for getting in <laughs> touch. Yeah, I don't like Appreciate your support. <laughs> yeah. If you do want to donate to my account, <laughs> yeah, there's a. I'll just send them the link to this. <laughs> uh, and we have had some messages. Jolly good. A couple of ones generally about Scotland, and quite opposite, given this episode and the previous one on Facebook. Jared Downing, why does it seem like the early Saxon monarchs, i.e., England, were so much better chronicled than the kings of Scots we've had thus far? Or is this just in my head? I don't feel they are. We had loads of. Uh, short ones. We had short ones, but I mean, I think there's, I think there's more to go. And you think of, uh, I don't know, like an Edward the Martyr. Oh, similar time, isn't it? Yeah. Similar sort of time. Well, in fact, I suppose he's a little bit earlier. But you know, we've got the conflict between Dunstan and the other monks as to what kind of stuff they were going to be doing. We've got the evil stepmother that yeah. steps in the back and stuff. They seem to have been a bit more detailed, even when there was short reigns and not much to go on. I suppose after after. Alfred, mm. you've got you've got so much more stability that you can have monks and in the burrs that he creates and mm. time to write it all down. He sets up the Anglo-Saxon chronicle, that so he it. actually sets up something to write mm. down all the stuff that yeah. kings get up to, and he does also prioritise writing and monks and yeah. education and stuff. So I guess that encourages all of it. Yeah, um, and they're a bit more centralised area as well, Scotland. It's a bit less stable. It's a bit more wary. Yeah, as we've seen, a bit more liable to um, 
attacks from Scandinavia as well, what, being, being so much closer and every part of it being closer to the sea. Mm. Um, I suppose, yeah, we have had a lot of short ones. They've, they've come into quick succession here. And you think also, actually, like you could have a 10-year rule and it would say very little about it, whereas yeah, yeah. the Saxon one, it would be like a three-year rule and you'd have about the same or maybe more. I think that's it, yeah. So I think you're right. There is less uh, chronicled for the Scots, and I think that is just because of the different situations. Maybe, maybe England was a little bit unusual in that it had got that little bit extra. Mm. Or maybe the Scots just... Didn't like writing. Didn't like writing. <laughs> uh, another message uh, from Facebook. Uh, Shanana Beatty says... Guys, 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 we need to talk about your Scottish place and Gaelic names. I don't have a Gaelic name. Oh, I do. Alistair. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> Rather the pronunciation of oh, right. these. Uh, my husband occasionally listens in, and being a Gaelic speaker from Sky, his mental health and well-being is my main interest, so I simply have to write in. The word, as I've been saying it, Alba, and as it's... Uh, spelt is not pronounced as written as with most Gaelic words. Minimally, exchange the B for a P, so Alpa. I thought you said that earlier. I do, yeah, I corrected yeah. myself in the previous episode. Uh, but if you can aspirate between the L and the P sound, you've got it. So basically, Alpa. Alpa. So rather than Alba, Alpa. Uh, so it sort of sounds like Alba the quicker you say it. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I was doing. I was yeah, saying it so quickly. Really um, I'm more than happy to help with Scottish place names in the meantime, such as Govin, brackets, Govan, or Murray, brackets, Murray, as I've uh, said on previous occasions, and the like. Hubby is more helpful when you get to Yockeys or Duffs. Oh, so she's saying that um, Govan is what we have been saying. It yeah. should be Govan. Yeah. Govan. Govan, yeah. And it, instead of Murray, it should be Murray. Yeah. Oh, I did not know that. So rather than Andy Murray. Yeah. Andy okay. Murray. Right. Yeah, straightforward. Indeed. Um, so, yes, if uh, if you're listening and you can help us with our pronunciations, then uh, please do yeah. let us know. <laughs> I'm sure it must be slightly better now than it was when we were talking about the Stone of Scone. <laughs> were we? I think in the, at the end of the English series we mentioned that and got Oopsie. got messages. So, yes, please do help us out because uh, it, it is a, an alien tongue mm. to us. Imagine if we're doing the French Kings and Queens, the Chinese Kings and Queens. Yeah. <laughs> that would be All tricky. that to come. Yeah. Uh, Jed Arnold sent in an email um, pointing out that apparently both Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump, mm. who are the leading contenders for the next president... Red factor listeners, are they? Of the, well, we don't know about that, but apparently they are both descended from John of Gaunt, son of Edward III. Surely thousands of people are. Um, well, indeed, but that means that they are something like 19th cousins. Oh, but also, I suppose, have a very distant claim to the throne. Oh, gosh. So, on the one hand, uh-oh, maybe America's coming. Or on the other hand, we got, we're potentially getting back in there. The royal family yeah. could be sitting back in charge of America. No, it just cements it all again. It just yeah. makes more case. Yeah. Although, I don't want to claim him. No, maybe not. Um, also, we've had a message from on Wordsbet. Uh, words. I've, no, I've written Wordsmith. I meant WordPress. Why don't I write Wordsmith? Uh, from Brendan, maybe he's called Wordsmith, or maybe Smith, I don't know. Message from Brendan on WordPress. Why did you leave out a certain King Edgar II? I don't know why everybody seems to make out that he wasn't king, despite not getting out of his minority with the crown and not having a regent, if only for 72 days. I feel that Edgar II, Ethling, has been left out, but otherwise Rex Factor is nearly as awesome as it could be. 
Why, so why did we miss him up? Well, so this is Edgar the Etheling. So it was in 1066, after the Battle of Hastings, and Harold II is killed. Mm-hmm. And so William the Conqueror is like, well, that's me done now, I'm king. Fine. But there was one last descendant of the Alfred line, who was this young boy called Edgar. So he was, uh, I think, grandson of Edmund Ironside. Mm. So he'd kind of been brought over as a toddler from Hungary, where they found him. So Edmund Ironside's son had gone off to Hungary, came back, died the instant he got here. Mm. But he had his son, Edgar. Mm. Edgar doesn't succeed in 1066, perhaps because he's a boy and... And William the First is there. William the First is there, yeah. and he's a bit Hungarian. Mm. But technically, the Wheatan do elect Edgar as king in the wake of the Battle of Hastings. I thought they would have thrown mm. their lot in with William. Well, once William turns up with an army, yeah, they do. Yeah. So he's never crowned. He never really rules. He just he's sort of nominated as king. But I think in reality, William would say, "If I wasn't king before the Battle of Hastings, then I jolly well am now." Yeah. And so, what does he meet a rather grisly end? Well, he, he does have a fascinating tale, so he maybe would be a, he would be a really good one to do a, a special episode on sometime yeah. because yeah. he he does uh, lead a, he's treated quite well by William, but he leads a few rebellions against William the Conqueror. Does he? He does, but he's always let off. Why? Um, well, just I guess because he obviously wasn't good enough to actually be a threat, so just it shows William being nice and and it's merciful. quite yeah right. I did not expect that side of William teamed up with William the Conqueror's eldest son Robert, and sort of fought a bit of rebel- rebellion with him against Henry the First, and he eventually ends up whiling away his old age in the reign of Henry the First. Being Edgar, remember me? I was like an old king, mate, Rolling Stone or a Beatle yeah. or something. Oh, yeah. back in the sixties, yeah. yeah. No longer in the charts, but well, <laughs> look at my heritage. Um, but they haven't got any hair. Ooh. It's age. <laughs> so yeah, he would be a fascinating one to do, but I, th- I, d- I don't think he counts. I'm just amazed that this person exists. Yeah. It's, it's a quite, it's a sort of romantic, tragic tale of the man who should be king. And he's the in, last in the line. But he is in Henry the First court, presumably just... Not in the court, but... He was, he during was that reign, was the last time he was recorded as being alive. Must have been such a relic, though, from because after the French conquest and everything, uh, all the castles being built and the way of life completely changing, suddenly seeing yeah. an, a way of a link to that old world. Yeah. Wow. Well, also, in fact, like if he had been king in 1066, and he, I can't remember the last year, but it's, it's decently into Henry II's reign. It's like the 1120s or something. So he would have been king for like 60 years. Yeah, would have challenged Elizabeth. Indeed, oh. indeed. Um, so yeah, he's a fascinating character, but I, I think he, I can justify we're not doing him. But we should cover him at some point. Let's do a special. Yeah, we should do that. Also thought it would be nice to have a little message about Charles II. Well, hey, what's he up to? It's from uh, Beth Collar and at B underscore Collar on Twitter. I heard on the radio the other day that King Charles II liked grated ambergris on his eggs. The stuff from Wales? Yes. Uh, like the animal? Yeah, wax-like substance that originates as a secretion in the intestines of the sperm whale. No, it's only the eggs. It sounds a little bit disgusting, and it's ridiculously opulent. Oh, because it's so hard to come by. Perfect for uh, Charles's <laughs> restoration yeah. court. I'm surprised he didn't do something... More lowly with it, just to, <laughs> just to emphasise his wealth. But I also like the fact that you are, of course, a man who likes his eggs. I do love it. I've got, you know, at the moment, I've got three <laughs> boxes of eggs on the go. Yeah. I've got duck eggs mm. for the weekends, regular eggs every day, 
and I've got some some blue. They're weird, like blue shell legs. I'm just mm. experimenting with them. Mm. Well, a uh, great bit of sperm whale intestine on them, and uh, well, truly, will. you and Charles will be as one. If we've got anyone from Nantucket listening who <laughs> has a bit kicking around, <laughs> send it in. Mm. Rex Factor HQ, Bucking Ballas. <laughs> So thank you all very much for your emails. Please do send them in, even if you're a bit behind with your listening. It's always great to get them yeah. later on. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but until next time, it's goodbye from me. Cheerio!